Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. We get a lot to smile about. Thank you, Jesus. All right, welcome to the Way Service at Greystone. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by going to the cross, shedding your blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, read it, learn it, and apply it, and use it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way, and we always depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his wills for our lives. I also want to say hello to our family watching from the live feed who can't be here with us this morning. If you'd like to worship with us in the unity of the spirit this morning, we love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service? And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Abba, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity in your house to gather together as your family to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify you, Lord, and to become more and more like you, Lord. Help us to make your ways our ways, Lord, as we always fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to teach us, to confront us, and tell us how to live your way, Lord, and not ours. We pray for the people that are sick and suffering, that can't be here with us, that the opportunity to watch through the live feed is there for them, that you always reassure them you'll never leave them, nor forsake them, and reassure them there's a purpose in everything you do in all of our lives, Lord. I pray for our great nation, Lord, that we bring that Bible back into the White House, Lord and live by the principles of it, the very foundation of our nation, Lord, why you blessed it. So continue to bless it. We pray for the nation Israel, that the war stops and the tyranny ends, and that the Lord and Savior Jesus gets reinstated in that country, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And as always, let all this be led by your spirit this morning, Father, and not my flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord.
Amen to that. He does do great things. Amen? All right. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning. How's everybody doing? Okay? It's good to see everybody. Like I like to thank everybody who came in yesterday to help clean up the church and keep it in a bringing it back to a form of glory. Just remember to always try to contribute to the building fund so we could keep building it and bringing it back to a form of glory. Just do the best you can, amen? So we can keep building the body. All right. And we do have a birthday, our brother Dave DeLuca. Ah. Happy birthday, brother. Uh. <laughs> Your wife gave you up, so... It's really, really good to be here. Good to see everybody. It really is. All right, we are going to be starting this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Please help yourself to the Bibles. We are, have used, there's a blue card in the, each of the pews to help you find the scriptures if you have trouble getting to them. So please go there with me, please. She got us in verse 45. We are going to back up to verse 40. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over now as I go into these scriptures. So try to prepare your mind and your heart to receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? And try to stay focused. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 40. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. How about a big amen there? They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth. While Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. How about a big amen there? So one day, we are going to be just like Jesus as he works in our lives to sanctify us and make us more and more like him each and every day. So let's go to verse 50. Look at this amazing thing. 
Well, I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. I got a secret for you. You ready for the secret? We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Just imagine when you blink your eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died, so the ones that have died already are sleeping right now, will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. What does it mean when it says that? What does it mean the law gives sin its power? You get a thing? It says, don't touch wet paint. Now, the first thing you want to do is touch it. For some reason, when somebody gets a law, we always want to say, well, why can't I touch it? Or speed limit 55. Or why do I got to drive 55? See, it gives it power. That's what it's trying to say here. But, look what it says in verse 57. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. How about a big amen there? Whatever we do for the Lord is never useless. You might not think it's producing anything, but it is. Everything we do for Jesus has power and is a reality to it. And it always does what it's supposed to do, amen? We might not see it or feel it, but it always does. It says, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. How about a big amen there? All right. That was a great scripture, wasn't it? So we know that these bodies, these painful bodies, these sinful bodies can't inherit the kingdom. So when we die, we get resurrected bodies, brand new bodies that what? Have no sin in them anymore. Just think about that. Not a sinful thought, no anger, no bitterness, no resentment. All the fruits of the Spirit every day. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, just bliss in the kingdom of God. Amen? But he wants us to have some of that now. That's why he's asking us to what? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. So now I have an awesome topic for us this morning. Is everybody ready for this? Okay. I'm going to call it Growing through adversity, not going through, growing through adversity. Can I get a big amen here? Okay. Stay focused now. We have to choose to view adversity as an opportunity rather than an obstacle. The Bible teaches us to accept God's purposes in adversity. But we must choose to view adversity as an opportunity rather than an obstacle. 
When we do that, we grow into our Christ-likeness. Could I get an amen here? Okay. So I'm going to give you a little summary. When a child is born, okay, we naturally expect him or her to grow. And if he or she doesn't, there's a problem. This principle applies to the Christian life as well. Okay, salvation, which we taught very well on for a few times now, right? We understand our salvation is the beginning of our relationship with Christ. But God doesn't want us to stay immature. Listen to me now. After being born again through faith in Jesus, we need to continually grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Can I get an amen here? All right, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. Anybody going through any adversity right now? <laughs> well, there's a purpose in it, okay? Second Peter chapter 3, start with me in verse 15. We all need to get a good concept of why we go through adversity. Because... Adversity as a Christian is an opportunity to grow, not to go. A lot of people don't understand what adversity is as Christians, and they go and get to a lot of problems, and they end up walking away from the faith because they're not taught properly. It's part of the process. It's part of the process. And I'm going to show you why. Look at verse 15. And remember, I'll give you a chance to get there. I get the pages turning. When the pages stop, then I'll keep going. I'm full of grace and mercy in our church, right? That's right. We need it. Who needs a lot of room to grow? <laughs> Thank you. Everybody, raise your hand. That's good. We do. We understand. Our church is a, we're a real church. Yeah, we understand the struggles we have to go through each and every day as Christians. Amen? All right. <laughs> We're being perfected. None of us are perfect. We're being perfected or matured as we grow. And that's a long, painful process, unfortunately, for us stubborn human beings. All right, look at verse 15. And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Thank God that he hasn't come back yet. Because if he has, that means the people that are lost are lost. There's still people I want to bring to heaven. How about you? Sometimes we go through a lot of turmoil and say, Jesus, come back today. Get me out of here. But that's a selfish statement because we want to bring others into the kingdom. Now listen. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you in the wisdom God gave him. Verse 16. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Because that we understand that Paul's message about grace is always twisted and abused, as given everybody thinking that it's a license to keep sinning. And we understand what the Bible really teaches, that God's grace is the power to overcome sin. Amen? We got it right in our church. Now listen. 
Peter's final words, verse 17. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on God. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, look at verse 18. How do you do that? You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Can I get an amen there? By growing in our knowledge of the Bible, we can't get carried off by the errors of people who try to twist the scriptures. Because we read the scriptures here from Genesis to Revelations. Can I get a big amen here? I don't jump around and teach you all different ways because I can make that Bible say whatever I want it to. Then I can make you believe it. But we have to understand, we have to be like Bereans and go there and look at it ourselves and study it and make sure that what I'm saying is factual from the Bible. Amen? Okay. That's why I give everybody, what do I tell everybody? Read your Bible every day. And if you don't want to read it, this beautiful voice will read it for you. Amen. You don't have time? Plug it in and listen to it. Or read along with me. But as a family, it's an awesome thing. Everybody to jump on board that, especially now. It's still early in the year. If you haven't, get on the website and jump on. Through the Bible in a year. Jump on the, in the Bible boat with us. Amen? It's an awesome thing. An awesome thing. All right. Now listen. By reading the Bible, praying, and observing how the Lord works, we will increase in Christ's likeness and obedience. Okay, but the Lord also uses a surprising means to bring us to maturity. Adversity is part of the universal experience of all believers, and it can either hinder or accelerate our spiritual growth. It all depends on how we respond and how we see it. So I'm going to define adversity. What's adversity? Adversity is a condition of suffering and hardship involving anguish, pressure, trials, heartaches, or disappointments. Okay? It may be physical or emotional in nature and either long or short in duration, but it always causes pain. Is anybody in pain right now? Emotional, physical? Listen to me. Although none of us want hurt or trouble, if it comes, we have two options. Not if it comes, but when it comes. We could waste away in our sorrows and become bitter. Everybody hearing me? Or grow in our relationship with the Lord and get better. Two things are going to happen. You can get bitter and say, why is this happening to me? That should never happen to me. Well, that means you don't understand the Bible. It happens. It's part of the growing phase, and we have to go through the trials and adversities in order for us to grow. Can I get an amen here? And I'm going to prove it. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. When you get the right uh, um, perception of it, you'll understand that God's changing you into his image through it. He's doing it for a purpose. Now, nobody likes to go through pain and suffer and adversity, but we can't go around it. God has to bring us through it. Okay? Through it. And if you're going through it right now, you never have to go through it alone. 
You have God our Father watching over us. You got Jesus walking alongside of us. And we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Okay? We got the Trinity always with us, looking over us, watching over us, and helping us through the trials. If we allow it. Jesus will never invade your life until you what? Ask him in. And when he comes in, he's the best friend you could ever have. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he always wants to listen. There's no busy signal. There's no call me later. He's right there for each and every one of us every single time. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 12, look at verse 1. Now, it tells us the first topic. It says, God's discipline proves his love. Now we have to, we're going to get the right concept of discipline and adversity. Can I get an amen here? You're going to understand this, and it's going to work out well for you if you, what, if you apply it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Everybody has certain sins in us that always try to come back and trip us up. Can I get an amen here? Everybody's at a different place. Everybody has different sins that they contend with that we're always fighting with. Can I get an amen here? We have to understand that all of us are at a different place. We're growing spiritually in different ways, and God's using different people, places, and things to change us. Now listen. And let us, look, that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do it? Listen, how do we do it? The Bible's going to tell us how we do it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, keeping our eyes on Jesus, does that mean staring at that picture? Keeping your eyes on Jesus? No, it's keeping your eyes on the word of God. Jesus is the word. We keep our eyes in the Bible. Right? This is what, look what it says. We do this by keeping our eyes on the word, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. When you go back and read the Bible and the, and the Gospels, what Jesus went through because he was helping and healing people and saving people, he got persecuted and tortured because of it. So should we expect any different when we start to walk with Jesus and start to live like him and become like him? No, we're going to get persecuted by the dark world. We have to understand that. Look what it says. Think of all the hostility he endured. Then you won't become weary and give up. See, when you say, when I compare what's going on with me, with Jesus, that's nothing compared to what he went through. So I can endure it. See, when you've got the right focus and when you put your eyes on the right thing, then you'll say, you know what? What's going on in my life is nothing compared to what happened to my Savior. So then you can what? Tone it down and say, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for not making it harder than it already is. Now listen to what it says. Disregarding his shame. Now we see that the God's throne. Think of all the hostility, verse 3. He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives and your struggle against sin. All of us are still struggling with sin, right? 
Does everybody know where I am here? Okay. Verse 3, right? Then you won't become away. Verse 4. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. You hear me now? For the Lord disciplines those he loves. This is what love is. Love is corrective in its nature. We have to understand as Christians, we don't just say, oh, I don't want to hurt them because I love them. No, sometimes you have to get in someone's face because you do love them so they don't go over the cliff. So they don't get taught a bunch of lies. Human love and God's love is two different things. As Christians, we have to understand what love really is. It's confrontive and corrective. It tells us right here. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child, or he chastens. And he's quoting Proverbs 3, 11 to 12. So he accepts you as his child? Well, you know, as, your, as his child, we still have a lot of sin in us. And we still have a nature that's against God. And that's why he has to discipline us. Can I get an amen here? If you're honest and you look in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah. When, something come, when I get pressure or something comes at me, my anger wells up and I start lashing out at people. I'm good when everybody's good to me, but when they're not, watch out. The wrath of John is on. Can I, anybody agree what I'm talking about here? We're all godly and trash, right? Nobody's coming at us. Everything's good. But what happens when the devil comes at us and people come at us and we want to defend ourselves and say something back and get our pound of flesh in instead of saying, I'm going to pray for them and let the Holy Spirit teach them. I'm going to keep my big mouth shut. How about a big amen there? That's spiritual growth. Knowing when to, when to speak and when not to speak. How about a big amen there? A lot of people, I just got to tell them what I think. I'm going to tell them what I think. Well, who says what you think is the truth? If what you think isn't in the Bible, then that's your perception, not God's. So that's why it's better, though, I'm not going to say it unless somebody asks for my opinion. I'll give you some good godly advice. Don't give your opinion unless somebody's asking for it. Because then you're going to make enemies that way. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. Before Jesus, I'm going to get my pound of flesh and I'm going to let them know what I feel and what I think and what I say is right. Oh, I didn't know we had to get molded and shaped into your image. No. No, we need to go to the cross and leave it in God's hands. Can I get an amen here? Amen. Thank you. There's only one who's got it right. That's Jesus. Now listen. <laughs> Now look at verse 7. As you endure this divine discipline now, as we endure it, remember that God is treating you as his own children. How many of us feel when we're going through something that God's not, God must be mad at me? He's not with me. Why, is, why am I going all through this stuff? We might not understand why we're going through it, but God does. And there's a purpose in it, and if you respond the right way, it will help you. Look what it says. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? You see some of the kids out there that haven't been disciplined, right? Oh, yeah. They're out there like wild. 
because their parents never disciplined them. So they have no respect for authority, no respect for elders, no respect for nobody but themselves. How about a big amen there? Now look at verse 8. Now here's another thing to ponder. If God doesn't discipline you as he does of all his children... It means you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. So if you're not getting disciplined and corrected, the Bible's saying you don't belong to him. So if you are getting disciplined and corrected, say amen. That means I belong to Jesus. He's correcting me. He's disciplining me. He's training me to become more like him so I can endure the pressures of life down here. So I can have a little taste of that promised land now. Everybody wants a smooth path all the way to heaven. Jesus didn't come to give you a smooth path. He came to give you a safe landing. Always remember that. He came to give you a safe landing and to help you get through the trials and adversities in life. How about a big amen there? Now it says, <laughs> now it says, since we, look what it says. Look at verse 9. Since we respected our earthly fathers, I hope you did, who disciplined us, Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of our, the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Thank God of that, right? I'd rather get disciplined by God. My father, he disciplined me, boy. Woo-hoo. Doing the best they knew how. But listen what it says. But God's discipline is always good for us. How about a big amen there? See, it says God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Now, look what it says in verse 11. I love the perspective it tells us here. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Agree? It's painful. The Bible tells us it's painful. But look what it says. But afterward, if handled correctly, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. He says, you know what? I'm going to get right with God, and I'm going to start doing things his way. And what? The discipline helps us to what? Grow and get better and more Christ-like. Instead of what? Bitter and worse. But you've got to handle it right. You're, now I'm, I'm teaching you how to handle God's discipline. Can I get a big amen here? It says in verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward. When the season of discipline is over, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So wouldn't you want to get trained that way so you can have that harvest of right living after? Because you know when you're getting disciplined, sooner or later the season's going to be over and there's going to be a peaceful harvest from it. If you hang in there with Jesus. Now look what it says in verse 12. So take a new grip. Right? With your tired hands. We get weary, right? We get tired. Lord, why? How long? When? Right? It says what? Take a new grip. Understand with your hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path to your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. How about a big amen? So that's why you have to handle it right. You will get stronger. And want more mature in Christ and understand why he's doing it. He's doing it to what? Change us. To transform us. To make, look, nothing changes when you become a Christian. All that changes is your perception. As a matter of fact, the world gets worse. 
Our perception changes. We understand who's in control of it now. We understand Satan is the god of this world. And he's controlling people. And he puts the blinders on people who don't want to hear this preacher talking about this truth. He wants to preach lies. He wants to hear lies. The lies ain't going to come out of this pulpit. The word of God is. How's that? Why? Because Jesus loved me enough to teach me the truth. And he loves you enough, and I love you enough, to teach you the truth. Now, what you do with it is up to you. But I'm going to proclaim it as long as I'm up here. Amen? Because I love you. That's what love does. Love is truth. It tells the truth. All right. Now look at, oh my goodness. So our spiritual growth now, listen to me now. You ready? We're going to do a few lessons on this. Our spiritual growth in adversity depends on some factors. Okay? Number one. Okay, here's the first factor. Our understanding of God's purpose for it is the first factor. He allows adversity in our lives for specific reasons. Okay? The second one is to get our attention. Okay? When life is running smoothly, it's easy to ignore the Lord. But in adversity, he suddenly has our undivided attention. Can I get an amen here? Amen. Okay. The third one, to conquer our pride. Okay, to conquer our pride. If we're doing well, we might be tempted to look down on those who are struggling. But adversity humbles us. The Apostle Paul was given awesome privileges and insights. But along with them came a thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, please. Now you have to ask yourself, am I proud? Am I a proud person that's proud of my achievements and accomplishments? Well, if you are, I got a newsflash for you. God's got a little thing to help you not be. And I'm going to show you what it is. Pride and humility are opposite. We want to know God's ways. We have to become humble and teachable like a child. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 7. Is everybody with me so far on this topic? Very important topic. We have to understand Adversity is part of the Christian growth and growing. We don't run away from it. We let the Lord take us through it. The nation Israel had an 11-day journey to the promised land. It took them 40 years. Instead of going through it with the Lord, they went around and around and around for 40 years trying to get around God bringing them through it, through the trials and adversities and faith in him. How long you want to wait is up to you. Look at verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12. Even though 
I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So Paul actually seen the risen Christ in the third heaven. The only one who ever did in, his, in their entire life on this planet, the apostle Paul seen the risen Christ. Just imagine what that must have been like for him. Now look what it says. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Anybody got any thorns in their life? Anybody got any thorns in their flesh that keeps them humble? Huh? You think that you just can't get rid of them? They're there. Right? They might be on the sidelines for a little while, and then zoop, right back in the middle again. Can I get an amen here? You know what I'm talking about. There's always a thorn. Why? To keep us from becoming proud. It says it right here. Look what it says. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from coming from. Now look what it says in verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. How many times do we ask the Lord, Lord, please, no more. Take this away or take this person out of my life. Do, get rid of them, please, for me. And what was the answer? Each time Jesus said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. How about a big amen there? So he's saying, by keeping him humble, God's power was showing up through him, getting him through it, not his power. Now you understand why you're going to have a thorn in your flesh? See, when you don't understand it, you want it out. But God doesn't take it out because it keeps us from getting proud. You see? Or once you get humble, listen, if you want it out, just stay humble and teachable. And then you won't get the thorn. But we're very prideful human beings. And we take pride in our achievements. We take pride in our accomplishments. And we say, look what I've done with my life. I've got this job. I've done this. I've built this and I've built that. You would have nothing if it wasn't from Jesus. He's the one who should get the glory. But everybody says, oh, it's me. No, it was Jesus giving it to you. Now look what it says. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So what did that do? It changed his perception. Look what he says now. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. How many of us do that? How many tell everybody how weak they are? How many of us boast about how weak and, and fragile we are? Are we boasting about how good we are, how academically strong I am, how many degrees I got? No. His thorn humbled him enough to keep him from becoming proud. It says what? So I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take, listen to what he says here. His perception changed. Nothing else did. I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How about a big amen there? You see how his perception changed? Nothing else changed but his perception. The thorn of his flesh changed his perception. He didn't get bitter, he got better. Jesus was working through his life from then on and not Paul. That's what he's trying to do in us through the adversities. Let Christ shine through. All right, God allows humbling pain because he knows that pride prevents us from being useful to him. 
The next one, and it's to remind us of our weakness. To remind us of our weakness. A sense of personal strength and adequacy keep us self-sufficient. But the Lord knows how to weaken us with affliction, so we will turn to him for direction and strength. Can I get an amen here? I don't know about you, but when I'm down and I'm weak and I'm helpless, I'm on my knees more than when I'm getting blessed. I don't know about you. I'm just being honest with you. It seems like I forget. But when I'm going through something, I'm on my knees every day. Lord, help me, please, Lord, to endure this trial. Help me, Lord. Teach me what it's supposed to be. Help me to get it so it goes away. See, he's going to keep it in my life till I get it. And he's going to keep it in your life till you get it. So you're better off getting it and moving on to the next. Can I get an amen here? <laughs> this is truth. And what else? It's to increase our hatred of sin. It's to increase our hatred for sin. Why? If we didn't love sin, we would never commit sin. You understand? If we didn't love sin, we wouldn't commit sin. If we hated sin, we wouldn't commit it. So it teaches us to hate sin because there's a consequence to sin as a believer. Can I get a big amen there? Now listen, the suffering that comes with disobedience reminds us of the awful impact of sin. God sometimes disciplines us with adversity, so we will learn to hate sin and practice righteousness. We getting this? Okay, now you understand why it's coming. Because he loves you, and he's changing you into his image. So we could what? Be a living example of the power of God working in our lives, not the power of the devil. So people can see a difference in us. The way we handle things, the way we handle life, the way we handle people, the way we handle places, and the way we handle things. God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. That's a big amen, right? Do you want to know how so if you want to know how to put something together right, the right way, you read the owner's manual. Do you want to know how God wants to put your life together the right way? Read the owner's manual, the Bible. That's simple. Why is that the last thing we go to? Why do we go to everything else for help? Before what? The actual one who created us. He knows us better than anybody else. Listen, sinners can't fix sinners. You can go anywhere in the world to try to get help, but their sin is just like you are. So why would you go to them? You're sinners to help sinners. We go to someone who's sinless to help sinners. And that's who? Dr. Jesus. Dr. Jesus. Let me tell you something. If everybody went to Dr. Jesus, put a lot of people out of business. Why do you think they keep people from going there? <laughs> okay, let me get a sip of water. And a sip of turbo. Because I'm just getting warmed up. Paul, lock the doors. Oh boy. All right. What else? To demonstrate his faithfulness to us. 
Listen to me. Only in our greatest need will we understand how dependable and trustworthy the Lord really is. Pain and hardship drive us to seek him for help, and in the midst of our suffering, we discover that he is always faithful. Always faithful. The next one, he does it to equip us to comfort others. Okay? To comfort others. When God comforts us in our affliction, we become a spring of comfort to others. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So he doesn't just do it for us. He does it so we can help others. Boy, the more I start understanding God's ways, the more I say, wow, did I have it wrong? Did the world teach me the wrong thing? For me to relearn all this is taking a long time. I got some stuff ingrained in me from the world that has to go. It just doesn't fit into God's, God's plan for me. So I have to what? Empty that and fill it with this. That takes a long time. I've been filled with a lot of lies my whole life. And Lord, guess what? The devil makes us believe lies. And he makes us what? Not believe the truth. Watch out for them people who read the Bible. They're weirdos. Oh, really? Okay. Don't, don't worry about the people following Satan. Those are the righteous ones. That's what the Bible does. It. That's, what he, that's what the devil does. He twists it. Right is wrong and wrong is right. Watch out for them crazy people that go to church and Bible study. They're a bunch of weirdos. Let's do it my way. My way's better than God. Yeah, I created you, so let me teach you. And what do people do? They go that way. Why? You know why? Because it appeals to their flesh. You see? The Bible doesn't appeal to your flesh. It kills it. See, he tells us to walk in newness of life in the spirit. What do you think being born again means? You're born again in spirit. And now your flesh is dying. You see, we're born spiritually dead. But when you accept Jesus, we're born spiritually alive again. And now he starts to work all over again in us. Now we start to learn to do things the right way. The way we were created to do them. So that's not that simple. That's why we're born again. See, when we're first born, we're born of the water, right? Your mother breaks the water and the physical body comes out. Then when we accept Jesus, we're born of the Spirit. This Holy Spirit comes inside us, and he takes residence inside of us, and he starts to teach us. Things start not to sit right with us anymore that we used to do. Oh, we might still commit it, but there's something that's, this doesn't seem right anymore. Something happened. I really don't, I don't really want to do that anymore, but because I'm a slave to sin, I keep doing it. But someday I'm going to get strong enough to say no. As long as I grow with Jesus, he says, he who began the good work in me is going to complete it. So I'm just going to trust him. He's going to do it. He's going to get me through it. He's going to, he says, I'm an, over, an overcomer already. I don't feel like an overcomer. The fact of the Bible is I am one. See, he gets rid of our feelings and he strengthens our faith. 
I am now an overcomer in Jesus Christ. I no longer have to obey the slavery of the law or the sin or the world. I don't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. I can just be me. And that's what everybody needs. That's what everybody wants, to just be themselves. They don't have to put on a front. My family's doing so good when you know they're all falling apart. But everybody's telling them, oh, my family's doing great. But everybody's hating on each other, doing all these things. And we put on this false front that everything's great. When we really know, if we can just come and say, yeah, you know what? I'm a work in progress. Thank God he's got my back because I'd never be able to do this without him. So he can stay humble. All of us are in the same boat. Listen, all of us go through the same stuff. All of us have family issues, health issues, emotional issues, physical issues. It's just that some cover them up better than others. That's all it is. We all have it. Some got better, better brand of fig leaves than we do. Remember Adam and Eve? They were covering themselves with fig leaves because they noticed their nakedness. Well, we cover our sins with fig leaves. So people don't see how sinful we really are. How about a big amen there? All right, look what it says now. Verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Who's the source of all comfort? God is. He comforts us in all our troubles so that what? So that we can be better? No, so that we can comfort others. You see it? He does it to what? So we can comfort someone else. Look, he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, listen to what it says now. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Just imagine getting showered with God's comfort when you're going through something. See it? Through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles... It is for your comfort in salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that, that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. How about a big amen there? Now, it's, now, let me just reiterate on that. Having gone through pain and suffering, we are better able to sympathize and empathize with those who are going through a similar situation. You see? When somebody's down and going through troubles, we can relate to them. Why? Because we went through it. We don't get all proud and say, I don't know what's wrong with them, but I'm good. No, he puts us through the same thing so we can what? Share and feel their agony and help comfort them. How about a big amen there? Instead of that spiritual pride. He makes us humble and teachable. Say, you know what? I went through the same thing. Let's go pray together. Instead of saying, I don't know what's wrong with you. You just don't have enough faith. That's what people tell you. Oh, I have plenty of faith. But I'm going through something right now. Spiritual problem. Oh, you just, not, you just don't have enough faith like I do. No, no. All of us go through things. And I'm glad he put me through where he put me. Because I can empathize with everybody. Because I went all the way down. I've been all the way to the bottom. And he seated me in the right hand of heavenly places so I know what you go through, each and every one of you. 
Whether you want to tell me about it or not, whether you want to hide it or not, I know. Why? Because I went through it too. I don't try to cover it up or hide it. I just let my Savior take me through it. And he wants to take you through it too. And what's he do? He helps. That's why we have a church body. To help each other. Why does everybody so secret with their problems? Because why? Their pride keeps them from what? Showing their brokenness. Instead of saying, let me go in the, let me go in the office with pastor and pray. Some people do. I love it. Let me go pray with the pastor. No. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. So you suffer alone. And what? You go through it alone without Jesus and the brethren to help you. Because of my what? My, i got to save my face, my pride, instead of show my brokenness. Well, you can keep your pride all you want because I don't have any left in me. He broke it all out of me. I'm empty without him. I'm nothing without Jesus. I can't even come up here without Jesus. I can't even breathe a moment without Jesus. And I'm humbly and I'm grateful that I can say that. And when you can do that, you can have a great life because you don't have to prove yourself to nobody. Jesus did all the proving. Other people, no, I'm not going to, shh. I'm not going to tell everybody what's going on with my family or me. No way. I don't want to let them know how broken we are. That's what? Pride and arrogance. God's not with you when you're full of pride and arrogance. Let me give you a little newsflash. So you're better off coming clean with it. Because God already knows anyway. Most people, you can't hide it anyway. And why else? To prepare us for service. Look, we can't. Why did, what did he do to Jesus? He went, Jesus went through everything so he can go and what? Empathize what we go through. So Jesus went through all the suffering, the trials, so he can be our advocate and plead our case before the Father when we go through it. You see? So Jesus knows what we're going through because he was in human form and he went through it too. But he fought the devil with scripture. How are you fighting the devil now? That's the question. You're a Christian. You fight the devil with scripture. And your brothers and sisters. Not with the world. The world can't fix a spiritual condition. Only Jesus can fix it. So now to prepare us for service. Experience and hardship and suffering equips us to serve the Lord in various ways and meet the needs of others. Listen, that's why I can empathize. That's why I'm up here. Because I've been broken through everything. See it? He prepared me for service by what? Destroying my flesh. So I can understand and help you. I know what you go through when you leave here. Why? Because I go through it when I leave here. I got to get up, get in my car, deal with people and drooling and all these crazy things out there. Everybody's self-absorbed. I got to go through it too. And then he says, I want you to treat them like Jesus. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? How about a big amen there? Amen. Well, that's what he calls me to do. What do I got to do? <laughs> go out in the woods later. Ah! And let it out somewhere else. Put it on the, top, the head of a goat. You know what I'm talking about? Instead of what? Unleashing it on someone else. What happens? We store it in the bank. Right? We store it in the bank. All our problems. Then one day, somebody drops a paper clip on the floor. They get six months of you coming out. 
like a volcano because you kept it all in and never dealt with it and somebody got the wrath laid out. Can I get an amen here? Am I the only one that goes through this or am I, just, am I unique here? No, we keep it in the bank then somebody gets it, right? Somebody's going to get it. Instead of going to Jesus, where I say, Lord, please. I swear, you know what I do every morning? I ask for holy amnesia. Lord, if any, anybody did anything to me yesterday, forget it. Forgive them and forget it. Leave it in your hands and move on with my life. I am not letting anybody control me anymore. Not for what they did or what they I'm only in control of what I do. Not with anybody else. I clean the slate every morning and I live free as a bird. And I don't have to hold that, you know, when you see them, right? When you got something against them. You say hi to him, but there's something in there. I don't want anything in there. I want Jesus in there. So I can love and have empathy and show the fruits of the Spirit the reason why he saved me and created me. The love, the joy, the peace, the self-control, an actual living example of Christ living through me. Other than that, it will never happen. Because when you've got unresolved bitterness and resentment and sin inside your heart, Jesus can't show up. You show up. When you empty that out, Jesus shows up. That's how it works. But people are the ultimate scorekeepers. They remember everything that went wrong in their lives, anything everybody's done to me, and whatever anybody did good, we forget that. We always see the glass half empty. Because the devil wants it that way. Instead of saying, yeah, I know they had a weak moment there, but you know what, I'm going to forgive them because they do a lot of other good things for me. I'm going to clean the slate right here and now. And I'm going to think of what's good like Jesus does. He finds the good in people. Do you? Or do you find, are you, are you the one that's always finding what's wrong with somebody instead of what's right? How about a big amen there? That's how you know the devil's in you. The devil always finds what's wrong with people, so they trip, gossip, and slander you. And Jesus says, love them, because you're the same way. You're the same way. We're all made of the same stuff, and we do the very same things. So why try to hide it and point your finger at someone else? Remember what Eve said? The devil made me do it. Then Adam said, it was the woman you gave me that made me eat the apple. We've been passing the buck ever since. Why'd you lash out at me? Well, because you lashed out at me. We justify everything we do. In Christ, there is no justification. It's what? Forgiveness, unconditional love. And that's why this church is based on spiritual maturity. That's what solves all the problems. I'm going to treat them like I would treat Jesus. He cleaned my slate this morning, so I'm going to clean theirs. How about a big amen there? Amen. All right, the next one, before we close. To express his love for us. This is how he expresses his love for us. Because God loves us so much, he sends adversity to rescue us from dangers we don't see and to draw us into the safety of a life fully surrendered to him. Can I get an amen? Fully surrendered. Amen. It takes us a while to fully surrender to him. So he's got to keep working on us till we do. Amen. That's how he expresses his love for us. What? I'm going to say it because God loves us so much. He sends adversity, right? 
He sends adversity to rescue us from the dangers we don't see and to draw us into the safety of a life surrendered to him. See, he sees the whole picture. We don't. He sees what, what, if we continue in a certain direction what it's going to end up like. We don't see it. He does. So we what? Sends a problem, a monkey wrench, so to speak, so we don't go there. Can I get an amen? Because he loves us. He knows the beginning to the end. We don't. We're very, we're very finite in what we see. He knows where it's going to bring us if we continue in it. So he what? Sends a problem to stop it. Because he loves us. You see, when you understand the direction and the perception of God, you could live a great life down here. When you understand how he works and why he does what he does. He does what he does with a pure motive of love for you. Everything. So I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to call the ushers to come up. Thank you for letting me share. And we'll continue with this message next week. All right, Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to stand and we're going to close.
always by our side, amen? amen? Where's that birthday boy? Dave, come on up and close us. <laughs> It's not till next week. It's all good. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for these messages that you give to Pastor, Lord. And to have a pastor who's not afraid to preach those messages exactly the way you intended, Lord, regardless if anyone gets um, convicted or offended, Lord. I just pray that we've grown enough, Lord, to be able to use those convictions, Lord, to not become bitter, Lord, but to grow stronger in our walk with you. And, Lord, I just pray that we'd always be mindful of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on that cross, Lord. And the next time we might want to complain about anything, Lord, I just pray that you would convict us, Lord, and remind us of everything that you have done for us and continue to do for us in our lives, Lord. And the only thing that we need to be doing is worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to watch over the church and our families, Lord, and I just pray that you would lay on our hearts, Lord, and those who watch on a live feed, Lord, a desire to want to support the church, Lord, so we can continue to restore your beautiful house, Lord, and pass it can continue to get the truth of your word out there to all who seek it. And I pray all this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank everybody. Thanks, everybody. The service is over. Have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace. Shalom. I got you.